Spiritual warfare, what is it exactly? Often, we recognize that we are in a spiritual battle, but it can be unclear how the enemy attacks or even how we gain victory. In this series, Pastor John Metter of Cross City Church shares insights into how best to prepare for and defeat the enemy. It's a war, but there is a clear winner. You're listening to John Metter, and this is the Life is War podcast. So I'm going to be talking about spiritual warfare during the course of this podcast, and the title Life is War comes from a John Piper saying uh, that I heard a number of years ago that has just stuck with me. And it was a saying that he spoke regarding prayer, and it goes something like this. Until you know that life is war, you cannot know what prayer is for. Obviously, John Piper is trying to uh, steer us towards the prayer life. And, um, and in that, he's trying to get us to understand that many of the struggles that we have in life are not really physical. They're not really struggles against flesh and blood or other people or circumstances as they are the spiritual battles that go on in a person's life. And as I'm going to address some of those spiritual battles that we all go through in life, and this podcast is really devoted to that. I'm going to use a lot of resources. I'm going to speak about things regarding um, the armor of God, and in particular, Ephesians chapter 6, and uh, verses 10 through 18, where we're going to spend a lot of time uh, talking about the armor of God and how it works. It's going to be really practical. Um, I, I have a basic outline I'm going to follow, and that outline is we're going to spend some time on knowing your enemy. I'm going to open up with a passage out of 1 Peter chapter 5 and a great talk that Paul Tripp gave to a group of spiritual leaders. And uh, it was an impactful talk. I'm going to kind of mirror his points and give him credit for doing what he did. But the bottom line on it is we'll start with his talk about that and, and knowing a little bit about the enemy. And then there will be a series of podcast episodes that deal with knowing who your enemy is talking about all the uh, powers of darkness that Paul mentions in Ephesians chapter 6. Then there will be several episodes that deal with the actual armor that we're supposed to put on. As you know, Paul was in prison often in Rome, and the Roman centurion guard would be standing there, and he would become very acquainted with the uh, weaponry that this guy carried and the, the shield that he had, the helmet he had. It was all uh, a constant and consistent battle array that these soldiers had on. So Paul saw those things and then in writing about spiritual warfare made a direct connection to the warfare armor and the actual war. So we'll spend some time talking about that. As you make it through to the end of this series of episodes, you're going to have conversations with me about particularly particular battle strategies. I'm going to talk to you in the very specific details of how do we strategically win this war over the long haul. Hey, listen, you're always going to be in battle until Jesus Christ comes back and conquers evil. And until that time, we're going to be in a world filled with evil and sin and destruction and uh, deception and everything else. And you're going to be swept along with the tide if you don't understand that life is war and we're in a spiritual battle. That's true of you. It's true of uh, family members. It's true of any children you have. It's true of your church. It's true of friends. Uh, we're in war, and we need to know how to how to fight in war. We would never turn someone loose into battle that hadn't been through training uh, in real warfare. 
So how is it that we turn Christians loose in a spiritual battle that's been waged for thousands of years and we don't give them any training, any insight? That's really the passion I have, the heart behind this Life is War podcast. So as we walk through this Life is War podcast, you're going to hear a number of things, stories, so forth that I tell that I've experienced over the years, and, and I know it'll benefit you. So we begin this first episode talking about First Peter chapter and uh, Paul Tripp's great message that I heard some time ago out of that, uh, that chapter of the Bible. I'm going to read the verses uh, because these verses really speak so powerfully about the spiritual warfare we're in. And these verses say this, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him for he cares for you. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. And after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. I think you'll agree with me. That's that's quite a text there. That's quite a series of verses. Uh, and if I had to title this something, it, it would be entitled, How to Be a Believer and Not Lose Your Way. How to Be a Leader and Not Lose Your Way. And I spoke this to our staff not too long ago under the title of, How Do You Become a Pastor or a Ministry Leader in the Church and Not Lose Your Way? And there's some things about this text that I'm going to uh, bring to the surface uh, that mirror the points of uh, Paul Tripp. So here's the first one, uh, and, and it really states uh, powerfully the humility by which we need to wage this war. First point is there's a king and he's not you. In other words, Peter starts by saying, humble yourselves under the almighty hand of God. Most of us are always building something. We're leading in some way. There's some part of our kingdom that we're working on. And uh, whether it be a personal kingdom, a business kingdom thing, uh, whether it's our focus on improving ourselves, our relationships, or our family, um, Paul calls us back, Paul David Tripp calls us back to this idea of there is a king and he's not you. So it's really important that you evaluate everything you're doing in light of is this a God thing? Is this something God wants me to be doing? Now, the reason that's so important in spiritual war is that when you think you're succeeding at something, but don't know that you're succeeding at something that doesn't matter, you're wasting your time. And if you think you're failing at something and not really aware of all the gains that you're really getting, even though it's a worthwhile battle, then you'll become discouraged. So it's really important that we make sure that the king is leading us. It's really important that we know that we're not the king and that, that God is the king. And any success we have is not an endorsement of ourselves or any failure we have is not so much a failure that reflects on ourselves, but it's a, a reflection of what God may be doing or allowing to happen in our lives. It's really important that you approach life knowing that you have a king and a commander. Now, when it gets to spiritual warfare, you are not the point person. I am not the point person. The Lord Jesus is our point person. He's our commander-in-chief. So we begin spiritual warfare talks and the Life is War podcast by talking about the fact that we need to humble ourselves 
under the mighty hand of God. And I want to encourage you to think through that just a little bit. I also think it's important that you know that God knows where you are. Your commander-in-chief realizes what's going on in your life. Um, no one can really say that no one knows what's happening with me. No one knows the battle I face. Jesus does, and he's given us all the weaponry we need, all the power we need to win in life. No one should also be able to say no one knows me like myself. I know myself better than anybody else, but that's not true either. Jesus knows us better than we could possibly know ourselves. So we always, for every reason, for every motivation, need to be surrendering under the mighty hand of God. So that's number one. There's a king, and you're not that king. Uh, number two is also important here. Handle your burdens wisely. This is the verse that says, Casting all your care, casting all your burdens on him, for he cares with you. Paul Tripp goes into uh, three ways that people deal with burdens in life. And I know we all have those burdens. We all have struggles that we have. So how do you deal with burdens? The first thing that people sometimes do with their burdens is they get angry at God. They believe that uh, God is not coming through for them. He's not helping them. He's not strengthening them. And so often we get mad in a horizontal way because we're mad at God vertically. God is up there. God's not paying attention. God's not helping. And so I get mad at everybody around me. I get mad at my wife. I get mad at my circumstances. I get mad at friends sometimes. So the first way that people deal with their burdens is they get angry at God. Other people have a secondary strategy, a different strategy for dealing with burdens, and that is they carry the burdens themselves. And it's really important that, you know, you can't lead and, and encourage others if you're carrying a burden that you weren't designed to carry. God has set it up where he will handle your burdens if you'll give them to him, but often we carry our burdens ourselves. And if you're weary and tired, that may be one reason you are, because you're in a war and you're carrying a huge backpack with dead weight that you don't need to be carrying. You can't carry luggage and weapons at the same time. And then thirdly, people respond in a better way. They hand their burdens to the Lord. Now, I'll be the first to admit it's a process. It takes time for me to give God my burdens. I have to have conversations with God in order to give God my burdens. I have to reason with God just a little bit. But God, I'll say, I care about this, and that's why I'm thinking through it. And the Lord may respond, you don't need to be concerned about that. I have other things for you to be concerned about. And often my conversation with God goes like this. You know, I had a, a real burden lifted from me this past week. And it was a burden that, that no one would know anything about uh, regarding thoughts that no one would know anything about. And uh, they weren't lust, and they weren't, they weren't what I would call sinful thoughts, but they were overthinking certain things that I did not need to be concerned about to the degree that they were distracting me from the things I did need to be concerned about. And I realized at some point this was spiritual warfare, and at some point I realized the, the solution to this is hand that burden to the Lord. And the moment I did that, I mean, like within just a few seconds and then later on in the day, I realized that God had always, all along, been taking care of that thing that I was so worried and so concerned about. And in fact, I had gotten in the way of his answer, and I just needed to come back and give my burdens to the Lord. So that's number two. Cast your burdens before the Lord. Then the third principle of this First Peter 5 passage is that you need to take life 
seriously. Take your life, your ministry, take your vocation seriously. Because life is real and spiritual war is real. And we are vulnerable and there is an enemy that knows our weaknesses. That's why we have to watch out. If we know ourselves very well, we know we have certain weaknesses. So watch out for yourself because your vulnerabilities are an open door to the lion. And are you watching? Are you looking? Are you keeping aware of yourself? Uh, the lion picture in this in this uh, passage of Scripture, Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It's a picture of the violence of our enemy. It's a picture of the fact that if we meet the enemy, it's going to be brutal. It's going to be bloody because lions are massive creatures. Nobody has to defend the lion. The lion defends himself. And in this case, the analogy is that Satan is out there and he's roaring. And by the way, if you hear the roar of the lion, it's too late. Paul Tripp talks about the fact that the lion does not war, uh, roar until he's already vanquished the prey. So it's really important that you're not walking around listening for a roar of a lion, the way we might listen to the rattle of a rattlesnake who rattles and makes sound before he strikes. That's not what the lion does. That's not what Satan does. He, he is deceptive. He's quiet. He's subtle. He does everything uh, to get us before we're aware we're the target. And when he roars, the battle is over. But he wants to roar, and he wants to have the victory in your life. Number four in Paul Tripp's uh, message is resist the devil firm in your faith. Resist the devil. This is not just a confessional thing. We have to resist the devil by obedience. And the battle is for our heart to obey the Lord. Um it's important that you don't abandon a lifestyle of faith. Sometimes we say, well, uh, my doctrine is right, and the way that I'm thinking about Jesus and others is okay, uh, so I've won the war. But you really haven't. You haven't won the war. You haven't won the battle. Uh, truth is what you stand on, but obeying the truth and living out the truth is what gives you victory. And what the enemy really is all about attempting to do is attempting you to get you to question the goodness of God in your life. So you can have a sound theology. You can, you can know the Baptist faith and message. You can know any doctrinal statement and know things about God, know the truth about Scripture. You can know the Bible inside out. But if you're not standing firm on that, if you're not resisting the devil firm in your faith, then you're going to question the goodness of God and the purpose of God at every turn. Now, we normally question the goodness of God when we suffer. And that's what the latter part of this passage says, knowing that the sufferings of your brethren, the brothers and sisters in the faith, have been going on for a long time. And when we suffer, um, we question God's goodness. But the truth is, we live in a sinful world. We live in a wicked world. We live in a battle-strewn world. And so how could we not see suffering around us? And how would we not have suffering in our lives to some degree? But... What this does is it kind of frees us up to realize, okay, suffering's going to happen because I'm in this world, number one, and I'm surrounded by sin and Satan and the demonic world and, and the culture that I live in. Suffering's going to happen because I'm, I'm swimming upstream. I'm following Christ instead of the ways of the world. But it's also good news because it helps us be freed from the lies of the enemy that would attempt to keep us from believing in the goodness of God. See, if I'm aware of suffering around me, if I'm aware that I'm in a world filled with suffering, 
then Satan can't use that to make me question the goodness of God. Usually when people talk about great victories and great lessons they've learned in their lives, they talk about it from the perspective of having come through hard times. Like a pastor might say, uh, we've had three of the hardest years of ministry and yet we learn so much. And what you never hear from anybody is, I've had three years of the most fun, easiest ministry or easiest work that I've ever done. And I've learned so much. But the reality is we don't learn a lot when things are easy. Because grace is needed and it's given when times are hard. So be aware of that. Then the fifth point uh, of this text and as this opening episode is, never stop admitting to yourself that you have a need for God. I don't think there's ever a time when we when we go it on our own. It's not like God is this divine uh, trainer of helping us ride bicycles. Remember when you were helped to learn to ride a bike when you were a kid? Or maybe you have children and you've taught your children how to ride bikes. You know how it is. Dad runs behind that bike, holding it up until everything is good, and then he lets go. And before long, that kid is riding the bike by himself with no need, no assistance, no guidance from Dad. Well, spiritual life is not like that. God may be running behind us and helping us. His hand may be there to help steady us, but we never are at a place where we ride away from the grace of God. You will never ride away from the grace of God. And if you try, you'll crash and you'll call out and his grace will come back and be there. But never get to the place where you think you've arrived and you don't need the help of God because that's the place of pride. And pride is a mortal enemy of God's grace. Actually, when we're proud... God opposes us. He doesn't give us grace. He brings us to the place of being humbled. And it's really important for us to never stop admitting that we're in need of the grace of God. It's so important that when we enter into the spiritual warfare series, Life is War, that you get kind of a lay of the land, kind of a landscape there. We need to take a step back and realize we're not going to dance through this war. We're not going to traipse through this battleground. It's going to be tough, and we're going to learn some things, and we're going to be exposed to things that we might rather not hear unless we really want to stand firm in the Lord and move forward. So I'm John Matter. This is Life is War podcast. This is episode number one. Looking forward for you being in the journey with me, Bible in hand, and being able to know how we do battle because life is war. Until next time, this is John Matter.